I'm telling you what, the Lord has a sense of humor par excellence. It was summer for four days almost. <laughs> and hey, let's go to church. And the Lord's like, wait, you're missing some snow. So praise the Lord. It's northern Michigan. What do we expect? It's, just, it's January. I almost put you back last year. Amen. Uh, but anyways, wishful thinking, right? Oh, man, I tell you, ain't that something? Yeah. Well, I sure am glad you came, and uh, I pray the Lord bless you for it. And some can and some can't, but you came, and that's all that matters this morning. First uh, Timothy, uh, we've been covering a multitude of introductory material, hopefully building an adequate foundation to put some meat on the bones. Amen? And uh, hopefully you're learning something about Timothy. Now, here's an interesting book. Uh, not just because I said it, but uh, if you stop and think, when you hear preaching, many times we go like this. Well, you know, uh, yeah, my kids should hear that. Uh, my wife should hear that. But can you imagine being Timothy? I mean, the whole book was to him. <laughs> I mean, you can't weasel out of it if it's got your name on it. <laughs> That's an interesting book, isn't it? <laughs> but First uh, Timothy chapter 1, and uh, we left off with some charges. There are 12 charges in the book of 1 Timothy that Paul gives to Timothy and their instructions. And their instruction from the old preacher. And the old preacher has to give the young preacher some instruction. And let me tell you what, young preachers, and I'm still young, amen. I don't care if I'm close to that 50 mark or not, don't matter. I'm still young and I need instruction, so I've got to listen to the old preacher. All right, let's pray. Father, we sure love you. Thank you for a new year a new start, and a new uh, week. Father, and I pray that you would help us this morning, help us to please you with our lives. And Father, I pray that uh, more than ever before that you would come back and get us out of this old world. Uh, Father, for your honor and glory, sure it would be nice to be rescued from this place of sin and wickedness. But Father, no doubt we have family, we have friends and neighbors that don't know Jesus Christ. May this be the year that you get us out of here, but may it also be a year we can take someone with us. Father, we love you. Teach us your word this morning. We pray that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit. And if anyone's traveling, Lord, would you give them traveling mercies? Those who can't come, I think of Brother Bob and Sister Gail who are kind of laid up. And Father, I pray that you bless them this morning. They want to be here, but Father... For health reasons, they can't. Would you strengthen them? And those who can't be here, would you bless them as well? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we left off, and I've got these charges listed up here. I just got the references up here so you see it. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. All right, so we're on the eighth charge here. We'll pick right up with number eight. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 to 16. Here's another charge. And here Paul is charging Timothy to strive to obtain personal holiness personal holiness, and uh, you don't hear much preaching on personal holiness. It, it's gotten uh, kind of warped. It's kind of it's got pushed by the wayside because so many times when preachers preach holiness, they have an agenda hooked to it. And many times when people try to preach personal holiness, they t- try to take you back to the law, and that's not designed. But you need personal holiness in your life. You really do. And uh, But uh, Brother Peter... Uh, quotes the Lord out of Leviticus 20, and he quotes the Lord in 1 Peter 1.16, and you know the, the, the verse, it says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 
That is a command, and that thing, that phrase shows up three, uh, three or four times in the King James Bible, and there's something to it if, uh, if it shows up in the Old Testament and then it shows up back in the New Testament. It is something that deserves our attention. Personal holiness, and there's, there's the inclination of man to not be holy. We are unholy creatures by nature. We are. Uh, our, we are fleshly beings, and without the help of the Holy Spirit, uh, we're going to be fleshly beings. And not only personal holiness in this passage here, but Paul's talking about Timothy's own intellectual mind, and in that he says, look, Peter, uh, Peter uh, Timothy, you need to read. And not only a young preacher, not only a preacher needs to read, but you need to read as a Christian. Uh, you need to read that book. He says, give attendance to reading. Amen. Uh, you need to know what to, what to read and when to read it and how much to read. He's saying you need to read because, listen, if you don't read, then you're not getting any place in your Christian life. You can't just put the car in neutral and expect to get to where you're going. Amen? You have to put the gas down at some point in time and drive according to conditions. Amen? So if you don't read, you'll not develop yourself spiritually. And if you don't read and don't try, at least try to be holy. See, it takes effort. It takes uh, some skin equity to try to be holy. Why? I said it. You're just not naturally holy. You're just not naturally kind. You're not naturally loving. It takes effort. Amen? Now, it's uh, like we said this on Wednesday, uh, if you don't try to pray and spiritually develop yourself, not only will you not be a proper Christian, but in its context, if a preacher doesn't pray, if a preacher doesn't try to read and study, he won't be a proper minister either. And uh, <clears throat> Bob Jones Sr. said this, it's not wrong to preach a sermon more than once. But it's wrong to preach a sermon more than once if you ain't worked on a new one. <laughs> Amen? That means a preacher, if the, if the calling God's given a preacher is to preach, then he ought to prepare to preach. He ought to study to preach. If, you're, if God wants you to be, uh, I don't know, a banker, then you ought to be a banker. You ought to be ready to be a banker. If God calls you to be this, that, and the other, you ought to be prepared to do what your field requires. Amen? That means taking care of your body. That means making sure that your mind is adequately in the right place, that you're on the job at the right time with sufficient time. Amen? <laughs> Sorry for asking input back there. <laughs> but uh, And for that preacher, the young preacher, the charge, look, it's not wrong to preach a sermon more than once, but if a preacher's too lazy to go get a new one, he's not fit for the pulpit. It takes work for a preacher to preach. And uh, we'll leave that thing right there. And like I said uh, Wednesday, I, it's always been my desire that the people of God get something fresh. It's not that I don't have this. I think now there's, you know, close to a thousand messages on sermon audio. I doesn't mean there's a thousand messages worth listening to, but there's almost a thousand. Uh, I mean, I suppose I could go back in the word files and print some up. But that's not the point of preaching. The point of preaching is not to develop yourself this library so you put in five years and you just shuffle the next 20. <laughs> uh, the purpose of preaching is to change you. Amen? And uh, it's always been my desire that the people of God get something fresh, get something new. And one of the directions that I took as a preacher, and I don't say every preacher should do this, but this is something the Lord laid on my heart through some counsel, is to start preaching through a book of the Bible. Because it, it, what it does, if you follow me just for a second, we'll move on with this charge. 
is it requires the preacher to follow the book. See, if there's no direction, if you don't have a set direction you're going to go, guess what comes out of the pulpit? Your opinions. Whatever's twirling around in this head of mine, and let me tell you what, just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean it's always worth hearing. <laughs> but if I don't have direction and I'm not in the bridle of the Scripture and the Lord isn't the coach calling the plays, we won't even go there, amen, right? But if the Lord's not there tugging on the harness, there's a tendency for any man just to go ahead and preach what's floating around in his head, and a lot of times that ain't good. But if a preacher can submit himself to that book and preach through passages that are difficult, then I think you and I, if we're willing to be honest, have seen the Lord show up many, many times in places we thought He never would. And it'd be absolutely applicable to what we're going through in the book of Numbers, in the stinking book of Exodus. And some of the most obscure you would call passages, but that takes time, it takes effort, it takes submission, it takes study. And a local church pastor, he should have fresh bread for his people. Amen? I mean, if, all, if you came every Sunday and it was just the same old uh, the IFB crowd, uh, we're going to preach on your attendance today and we're going to preach on your tithing, we're going to preach on how you don't do enough and you don't serve enough in the church, and we're going to preach on how you should dress the way the... Pa- Wouldn't that be like croutons after a while? You ever wonder how people sell croutons are so expensive? It's just stale bread. My, my desire as a preacher is not to give you stale bread. My desire is to give you so much, you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. Spit it out. (laughs) And the hardest thing for a preacher, and this is to a preacher, is to sit down. Amen? Hardest thing. I'm not talking about in the couch. (laughs) I'm talking about in the study. That's the hardest thing for a preacher to do is sit down. And the hardest thing for you ever as a Christian would be to sit down and read and sit down and study that Bible. Because about the time you do, boop, how's it going? Ding. <laughs> right? Shut her off. Well, you know, I'm just so important. I just, I have to be acceptable. Baloney, you don't. Shut Facebook down for a day or so, man. Be all right. <laughs> and a preacher who will not sit down, will not study and not read, uh, he'll not seek or seek to expand his understanding of the book, is not fit to lead a choir, let alone a flock. Consider the positions that you are in with your secular work or were in. Were there not continuing education, yearly classes that you had to take? I mean, there were some, weren't there? I mean, some was just like, duh, right? Now they got this, uh, you can't discriminate every year, and you got to take this, and, uh, you, know, you know, if you're hauling fuel, don't smoke around it, right? I mean, that, right? that's good. I mean, not, yeah, that you don't blow yourself up. But some stuff you need to take every year, don't you? When you go back to school, isn't usually the first part of the year a good review? Should be. Why? You forgot it all. <laughs> and no matter what field you're in, it's good to relearn a trade. It's good to relearn some material. Uh, matter of fact, I've taught the Pauline epistles, I think. This is the third time through. And I've learned more the third time through than I've ever learned in my entire life. But we're also dealing with an inexhaustible resource. So this whole idea, I'm going to get my degree, and then I'm sitting pretty. It might happen financially, but not for your mind, not spiritually. You should be forever a student, and that's what Paul is trying to get across. And uh, it's my desire to give you uh, such an appetite for the Bible. Listen now, I'm not just giving you filler here. 
It is my desire as your preacher to be so transparent with you and to give you so much stuff that you can tell when I'm not studying. That makes sense? And it's my desire to be that way with you because what? You desire the best. And you need the best. And you ought to have the best. And if I can't give you the best, I ought to get out of the way and let someone else do it. But there's a two-edged sword on that thing. Whenever you go travel around, you know what my desire is? I want you to see who's not studying. You see what I mean? You go around the local, you know, church of what's happening now because you got to go visit family. Praise the Lord for it. And you sit down. I hope you're irritated. I hope you can tell who's not studying. And you'd be like, that sucker's preaching his opinions. You see that? That sucker just grabbed politics and ran for 25 minutes. What a chump, man. You're worth more than politics. Well, the lowest thing on the face of the earth. You want politics hit fair and balanced, but not on Sunday, man. <laughs> and uh, you say, well, do you think you're doing that? I don't know. God knows. <laughs> you walk out the door, visit some other place, you're going to absolutely know when that fellow ain't studying and reading his Bible. He's just blowing smoke and giving you good words and fair speeches. You know the rhetoric. There's a bunch of rhetoric out there. <clears throat> All right, that's enough of that one. 1 Timothy chapter 5, 1 to 16, that's number 9. These are charges. 1 Timothy 5, 1 to 16, charges. Why? That young preacher needs instruction. You as a young Christian, you need instruction. And as an old Christian, you need instruction too. But here in 1 Timothy 5, 1 to 16, you do realize that, right? Surely we're not to the place, and surely the preaching here hasn't availed itself to you think you got it all under wraps, right? Surely you're not sitting here this morning and think you've arrived. As the one preacher says, you know when you arrived? I'll tell you when you arrived. <laughs> when I get to come down here and there's a box with you in it. <laughs> then we'll say, well, finally got it all right. <laughs> That's when you arrive, but until then you ain't arrived yet. Paul says, neither have I apprehended. <laughs> He ain't there yet. But 1 Timothy 5, 1 to 16, you got Paul uh, giving Timothy here a charge to the older men and the older women. And what Paul's telling Timothy is how to treat them. You know, you ought to treat a, an older saint and an older, a saint of God, a man and a woman. You, you treat them a little bit different than you do though your peers. Now, Paul says you're supposed to treat the younger uh, as sisters. Right? And the older you're supposed to treat as fathers. That, that means you should not say anything to a young lady that you wouldn't say to your sister. That'll keep you pure. You see what I mean? And you should treat uh, the older uh, gals uh, as mothers. Right? You wouldn't dare say anything dirty or inappropriate to your mother. And you got a good one, she'll backhand you, amen? And the old man just bury you. It's all over. Right? So you, you approach the older men uh, with respect. You preach the older gals with respect, right? But especially uh, what Paul's doing here, uh, he, he gives you a charge to how to respect, and you don't rebuke an elder. You don't go rebuke an elder. You see that? Well, he's wrong. He's got it coming. Okay, let's we'll take care of that thing. Why do you got to be the one handing it out? And then, of course, he's given Timothy the charge of how to treat uh, an elder widow with no support. Amen? An elder widow with no support. Let me give you number 10 here. And 
here uh, Paul uh, is charging Timothy in uh, 1 Timothy 5.17. I believe that's the 20. How to deal with, uh, or 21 rather. 25. Close. Four off. Uh, how to deal with elders as far as uh, older preachers. All right? And here again, uh, there's a note in this passage on Timothy's personal health. You see, Paul's trying to teach the young preacher something. Look, that's why you need the old counsel. That's why you need the old ways. You know what the Lord said about Israel? He said, seek ye out the old paths. Why? This new fandangle stuff ain't worth spitting, man. This new generation, man, they're, they're a mess. You seek out the old paths. He said, seek ye out the old paths and walk therein. But people don't like the old paths. They like something new. They like something bright. They like something sweet and kind. And Well, something that will fit our business. There's no business plan in the church. You need to seek out the old paths. And he talks about Timothy's personal health and how he's supposed to keep his health up and do things right. You understand, Christian, your personal health is just as important as your spiritual health. Listen, if you're here today and you are unhealthy and you know it, you ought to do something about it. Amen. Your body's a temple of the Holy Ghost. It don't belong to you. And you ought to take care of yourself. And if you don't take care of yourself, well, you know, <laughs> I'm not taking... No, take care of it, man. If you find, if the Lord says, hey, you're not taking care of it, okay, Lord, how do I take care of it? And then seek out some counsel and then get that thing moving in the right direction. My hand's in the air. I have been terrible on the temple. Some of us need some great temple maintenance. Amen. Not to worship it, but just to treat it right. And uh, again, there's a note on Timothy's personal health and how he's supposed to keep his health up and do things right. You know, Christian ought to be balancing that thing. And that's what we lack in... Uh, I can see right now you're going to get very far today. But that's what we lack in... Uh, I would say at least American Christianity. We don't like balance on our health. Um, if you see a preacher many times, not always, stay with me. Many times he's got a great approach on spiritual things. Amen? Something you can really grab a hold of and he'll preach truth. But then you look at his life and it don't measure up because he's unbalanced. You say, what do you mean? There's nothing more obnoxious to me than to see a preacher get up that's 400 pounds and he's up there preaching how a woman shouldn't wear pants. What do you say to that? Bat feathers. Thank you. I was looking for a pastoral word. You're really going to get up there 400 pounds and preach on a woman wearing breeches. What's wrong, bud? What a stinking pig. Amen. I don't care who hears it either. That's obnoxious. That drives me nuts. Or he's up there uh, preaching on how she shouldn't wear some kind of short skirt or how y'all just need to live by faith and do what God wants you to do. And here he is. He can't even put a suit coat together, man. <laughs> You ain't seen his belt buckle in 30 years. That's our problem as Bible believers. Why don't we call that stuff out anymore? Don't get quiet on me now. We're having a good time. 
If we're either we're supposed to take care of ourselves, or we just do whatever the world we want to do, and it's all about how we just talk to Jesus all the time. How about a little bit of balance on that thing? How about we take care of what we should take care of, so we can be an instrument of grace for God? But it's easier to get caught up in that stuff and tell everyone else what they should do instead of taking care of ourselves. Amen. All right, preacher, he's up there, you know, five by five. He's preaching on smoking and drinking. Now, listen, I don't think you ought to smoke or drink. I'm not the exception to the rule, but I knew some contractors. They couldn't low, uh, they couldn't lay a straight row of shingles without being drunk. You say, what of that? <laughs> it doesn't mean go drink, but man, I just tell you, there's just some people, man, that <laughs> seems to be a part of their complete breakfast, you know. <laughs> But there's nothing more obnoxious and ridiculous than uh, these guys up there and preach that st stuff, and they're, they're so unbalanced. But you've got to take care of yourself, Christian. And the preacher, if, if the congregation, if the flock of God will ever respect a preacher, the preacher has to take care of himself, not only spiritually, but physically. The Bible says in 1 Peter that he's supposed to be an example well, if he can't even tie his own shoes, he ain't a very good example. Amen? But yet, you're going to let him tell your daughter and wife what to wear? Shut up, man. This crowd of ours hung up on dress and because that's all they got. They're so unbalanced. And, uh, all, man, I'll tell you what. Uh, some of these preachers, all you'd have to do is put a curl on the end of their tail, and that'd be just about right. Amen? And unfortunately, what you need to know in 2023, first day of it, amen, I call out our own just the way they are. I'm not going to preach against the Methodists about their problems with eternal security. I'm not going to preach about the charismatic. Why? You ain't got a problem with that stuff. What you deal with is preachers that are unbalanced that say they believe the Bible. And Christians, uh, you say you believe the Bible, but your life many times is unbalanced. And uh, But the unfortunate part about it, in Bible-believing circles, it is acceptable to be a Baptist preacher that's overweight and out of shape and be up there preaching what you and everybody else should be doing. I say get out of the ministry till you're balanced. You say, well, that means back yonder. You'd... That's right. Get out of the ministry. I'm calling myself out. But that preacher uh, needs to stay in shape. He needs to keep his health in check. He needs to keep his appetites in check. And so do you, Christian. You've got to keep your appetites in check. And if you ever get serious about that thing, what you're going to find out is the appetite of your belly, it controls all the other appetites. So if all your other appetites are out of control, your wallet's out of your control, your thought life's out of control, your mouth's out of control... Uh, the, the desire to wander off and your mind is out of control, the desire to go places you shouldn't go, many times it's connected to this thing right here. You get this thing under control many times, many times it'll control all other appetites. Now, I'm not trying to tell you to beat the flesh with the flesh. I'm just saying many times this is the appetite that controls everything else. So if you get serious about being balanced and if you get serious about doing things right and, and taking care of the temple that God only gave you one, you can start there and you'll realize what a greater time you'll have of it. All right, that was free. Let me give you number 11. 1 Timothy 6, 1 to 5. 1 Timothy 6, 1 to 5. Here's another charge. Now you can see that uh, there's so much in here, you could just preach until the second advent. 
but since we're going up in the rapture, we won't. This is a quick one, and here, First uh, Timothy chapter six, one to five, Paul gives Timothy the charge concerning a correct relationship between the servant and the master. And uh, if you're paying attention this morning, this is a very uh, important topic because it gives you the biblical view of slavery. The biblical view of slavery. Let me give you number 12 here. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 21. 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 21. 12 charges in this book. Yeah, I often think if, if Timothy was like uh, the, the group of young preachers coming up right now. If, let, let's say uh, Timothy was about 20, uh, let's say 26 or uh, even pushing 30. Um, could you have a letter written to you personally that every, a, a lot of other churches were going to read that described your character and what you needed to work on and what you needed to make sure to do? Part of me thinks that uh, the generation that we're raising right now would get so offended they'd quit the ministry before they even got started. This is a pretty interesting book. But here in uh, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 21, Paul charges Timothy how to deal with rich people, how to deal with rich people, and how to deal with money matters as they're related to eternal life. And uh, also within that charge, he lays out how uh, it's connected to rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul is charging Timothy all through these charges. There's 12 of them. You see that? 12 of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 11, 12. And let me tell you what, uh, Paul didn't give this stuff out because he didn't have anything to do. Paul's given this stuff out because he wanted to help this young preacher. And uh, the old preachers that I know and uh, follow, let me tell you what, they don't waste their words. And if Paul, who was used by God to write over half the New Testament, or almost half the New Testament, uh, Paul wouldn't waste words. So everything, every charge that's there, that young preacher needed. And that's exactly what's going on here in 1 Timothy. And after 10 years of ministering to Paul, catch that? After 10 years of ministering to Paul, you know what Paul says? Uh, by the way, boy, there's some things that you need. You see that? Even what you've been there and been, been devote from your childhood and faithful in your service. You didn't miss one, you know. And boy, the old preacher loves you. And man, you're following the old preacher's way and there's safety in that, amen. And uh, there's need of instruction. You see that? All that stuff. Why? Timothy never been there before. I mean, I'm still only eight years as a pastor here. I constantly run into situations I've never had to deal with before. You know, when I was with the ice cream company, after a while, there's only so many ways that you have to handle a bad half gallon of butter pecan, right? Oh, here you go. Here, have a gallon. You don't like that? Here, have a gallon and a half. I don't care, right? And after a while, you know, the truck breaks down. You know how to handle it. After a while, truck melts down. You know how to handle it. After a while, you know, Grandma Maud, she's upset about pizza. You give her free pizza. After a while, you're like, yeah, no problem. But in the ministry, man, there's some things that young preacher needs to learn. And he's got to get a hold of the old preacher. And every, uh, every person needs a preacher, and every preacher needs an old preacher. And uh, after 10 years of ministering to Paul, Timothy is called in the ministry. He's called to be the pastor 
of the church of Ephesus there. And now, with all that introductory material, we're finally ready to start the book of 1 Timothy. Amen? 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, there's the foundation. I think you've got an adequate foundation. We can stick some meat on the bones now. Look at verse 1. The Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Amen. Now, I know many of you know this, but you're going to notice Paul, it says here, Paul, an apostle. Paul is an apostle. And there are some things that had to be done in the Bible uh, to be an apostle, if you remember. I'll just show you one. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We won't give you the complete list. We've covered this uh, at least two other times before. But I'm going to show you this one and make some comments. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now what you have in 2023, uh, uh, at least four major religious networks, I think there's three to four, uh, two run full-time and two run part-time, but what you have is you have a bunch of phonies running around uh, yelling, hollering, and screaming, telling you that they're an apostle. And they're about as much as apostles. I'm a hippopotamus, amen? But they call themselves bishops and apostles. And you know what the Bible calls them? Liars. That's Revelation 2.2. This group of uh, 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 mules running around calling themselves apostles, and I'll show you one verse, and we, we don't have to go through the complete list. I'll give you one verse, and uh, you know they're a bunch of liars. Amen? And that's the right thing to call them. Uh, you've grown up in America, and uh, America has told you that you have to be kind to everything that's false. Baloney. Baloney. They're liars, and they're liars, and they're trying to make merchandise out of you. And you got to watch out for them. I don't care how many times you read the Bible, how many church services you attend, you got to watch out for these liars. All right? <clears throat> now here, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1. Paul says, am, not, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Look at the qualification. Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord, are not ye my work in the Lord? So to be an apostle, you are supposed to what? Seen the Lord. That kind of eliminates all this modern-day jazz monkey stuff, don't it? It sure does. These bunch of lying dogs running around telling you they're an apostle. They're not. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 says they're liars. Revelation 2, 2. Next time you run into... It's some either thing on a smartphone or YouTube or, uh, you, you know, get some comedic input. On. Every once in a while, if you want a good belly laugh, I'll, I'll turn to the TCT network. But most of the time, it's just nauseating, you know. But every once in a while, I have that, you know what, I want to make fun of something, so I turn it on. You say, well, you shouldn't be that way. You see what your problem is? You refuse to be negative. That's your problem. You know what Gideon's strength was? He was negative. You know what your problem as a Christian is? You're too positive. You think positive of everybody. You think positive of everything. I think positive of that group. Bunch of stinking liars. They're taking people to hell in a handbasket. Why should I be? Oh, you know, it's all, oh, well, well, you know. No, liar. Amen. And they just run around telling you they're an apostle. They're not. Now, an apostle had to see the Lord, and if you uh, read through the book of Acts in chapters 1 through 10, apostles were needed because they were necessary for the formation of the early church. You see that? 
Acts chapter 1 to 10. The apostles were necessary, they were needed for the formation of the early church. Amen. Now today, you know what we need? You need a preacher and you need a flock. That's what you need. All right? But in the early church, that thing wasn't formed completely and to help get the thing established and other small local works established, apostles were needed. Now, uh, there are two sets of apostles, and uh, the apostles that are found in Matthew chapter 10, that's the first set, Matthew chapter 10, and those apostles are called the apostles of the Lamb. So in Matthew chapter 10, you remember, you've got the first set of apostles, and those apostles are called uh, the apostles of the Lamb in Revelation 21, what is it, 14? Now, the thing is about Matthew chapter 10, you had 12 apostles and one of them fell. Remember that? It was Judas. <laughs> you know, the Lord chose one and one was the devil. And uh, remember who replaced uh, Judas? It was Matthias. Matthias ended up choose, uh, replacing Judas. And uh, he was added to that thing. And uh, take your Bible, go to Revelation 21. So one of, that one of those first sets fell, and in Acts, it was replaced by Matthias, and, uh, and also in Acts chapter 1, 23 to 26, you'll see that those apostles, that first set, they're fixed. And you know that because of Revelation 21, 14 that you're going to here. The Bible says, And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So that first twelve, being uh, Matthias replacing Jews, that set's fixed. All right? <clears throat> now, uh, you see that in 2114? Now, go back to Acts chapter 1. I want to teach you a real quick principle here and hopefully uh, give you some real good practical uh, a thought and, and probably be done for the morning. Acts chapter 1. Because sometimes uh, Christians get real disjointed with their own Christianity. That is, they often get the mistake of thinking that unless they're uh, preaching, unless they're teaching, unless they're in some large position, that they really can't be a Christian. Can I tell you what? There's only, there's only one pastor in a church. Um, and some people obviously have thought that they wanted to do it, and uh, they thought they could do it better. And I've always said, hey, go for it. Take off with it. You'll give it back in two weeks because it don't fit you. Many times, I don't even think it fits me half the time, but it does, amen? But that has nothing to do with it. The, the, the thing about your Christianity is, are you doing what God wants you to do? Yes or no? And if you are, then we're going to get equal amount of rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. There's no more rewards for being a preacher, no more, more rewards for being a Sunday school teacher, or this, that, and the other. If you're doing exactly what God wants you to do, you say, well, I can't do much. All I can do is come here. Okay, well, then you're doing what God wants you to do. But if you could do more and you just don't want to because you're lazy, well, then, then you probably need to take care of things with the Lord on that. All right? And the misnomer in Christianity is, well, you know, I'm not a good preacher, and I'm not, I can't pastor, and I can't teach, and I'm not good at talking. Oh, okay, I understand that. Some of you, all it was you could do just to come. I get that, but you came. Some you have to rely on others to get you here, but you came. You made the choice and you came. That's a blessing. But here's the thing. Look at Acts chapter 1, 23 to 26. 
<coughs> Bible says, and they appointed two. Uh, this is after Judas uh, fell, of course. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice. That sucker had three names. And then just Matt, Matthias there. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon who? Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. So that first sets fixed. But here's the practical lesson. This, here's, here's the teaching you need to grasp a hold of. Uh, because Matthias had to see the Lord, right? And because Judas fell, and now Matthias is in the picture. He was what you would call uh, on a basketball team or a football team. He was a bench warmer. But you know what, you know what I know about Matthias? He was everywhere you see the apostles, there he was. But you don't see him, but he was there. You see what I mean? He was faithful. He was just like, man, I'll tell you what, I might not be in the, the 12, and I might not have the title, I might not have the name, but man, there's something going on, and, and God's all over this fellow named Jesus, and God's all over these apostles here, and I'm telling you what, I'm just going to I'm just gonna wash some feet, I'm just going to you know load some donkeys, I'm just going to go ahead and be out of the way, and I don't have to be in the limelight, and I'm telling you what, when Judas fell, they knew who to pick. It came down to two fellows, and that tells me that they were bench warmers. That fellow named Justice or Bersabbas or however that thing was, he was there the whole time, and so was Matthias. And the teaching is this, be faithful. Why? Because in a moment of time, if you're faithful, God could plug you in for something different. But if you're like, well, you know, it's just, it's just not my makeup, and, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't really excel at that kind of... You know, it's. You know, I know they're going to get together and uh, and do some cleaning at the church, but yeah, I, I'm. I don't do windows. Oh, oh, fine, don't do windows. But what if you're just there and faithful, and the Lord goes, "That's it. That's who I want. That's who I need." And He picks you up, boop, plugs you in. You're like, man, I never thought this in a hundred years. But that's that's the teaching. And what Matthias, you know what he was? Just a water boy for three and a half years. You never hear of him, you never see him, but you know he was faithful because when Judas fell, uh, they asked the Lord, all right, who gets in, Lord? Who's on the team now? And the Lord says, you choose Matthias. And the Lord, you know, as you read the Bible, the Lord's not going to pick or choose anyone who sits on their duff. You see what I mean? So he was following the Lord, maybe one of their servants. And after three and a half years of being a servant, he gets his name on the walls of the foundation of New Jerusalem. How about that? Ain't that crazy? You ever really think that uh, <coughs> old Matthias thought, well, I think if I hang around this crowd long enough, maybe I'll get my name on some walls in New Jerusalem. Of course, I didn't think they even know New Jerusalem existed then. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you, you see the application? Stick with it. Stay faithful, even if you don't think what you're doing is important, because one day God's going to have to call upon someone, and you just might be that guy or gal, and the Lord's like, oh, you're in. He fell out. And I'm telling you, everyone in the local church is important, but as, pe as we get closer to going home, we are getting closer, people are going to fall out along the way, aren't they? Aren't they? I'm not looking forward to it, are you? 
No, it breaks my cotton-picking heart. But people are going to fall out along the way. Maybe you can just be that Matthias. When they fall out, in you go. That's it. And he was faithful. Now, ain't that something? Just from Matthias. There are a lot of people in the Bible only mentioned a couple times that had great things about them. Matthias, he's a pretty good fellow, wasn't he? Now, Paul, he was, uh, he would have been the 13th. We'll cover this. We've got a couple minutes here. But that first 12, those first 12 uh, apostles, 1 through 12, they're fixed. And you notice that uh, by Acts 1, 23 to 26. And then, of course, by this piece in Revelation 21, 14, the apostles of the Lamb. All right, they're fixed, but Paul, uh, he would be uh, number 13. And I know we covered this before, but we'll run through it again real quick. We've got another minute here. And uh, you can, guys can look up the references on these, but Paul would be the apostle number 13. Uh, Barnabas, Barnabas would be 14. And then uh, Silas. Silas would be 15. And then uh, 16 would be Timothy or Timotheus, however you want to say that. He'd be number 16. And then you got two more mentioned. You've got a fellow named Junia. And you got Andronicus. And that's in the book of Romans. And it says they were apostles. 17 and uh, 18. Now, some people uh, say that Apollos was one, but I can't really, uh, uh, I can't really verify that. Uh, the Lord obviously used Apollos as a preacher and as a teacher, but you can't really attach the word apostle on that thing unless you're doing a little bit of surmising. But as a matter of fact, you've got, uh, you've got 18 in all that are clearly marked to be an apostles there. And we will stop right there with uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ.